Welcome to the Life Church STL podcast. Wherever you're joining us from, we hope this message encourages and inspires you. Thanks for listening and enjoy today's message. All right, are you ready for the word? Okay, we're still in this Psalm, uh, Summer Psalms uh, series with um, that tagline, Dilemmas and Doxologies which is uh, really in many of these psalms where David kind of contemplates or prays about or really even complains or argues with God. He's like going through this moment where he's talking about some, like in many of them, some issue that's happening or attack or whatever, the dilemmas that he's going through, but then this doxology, this worship and giving glory to God. And presenting, saying like, yeah, I may be, kind of like we were just talking about, yeah, I may be going through something, but God is God. He's good, he's faithful, he's loving, he takes care of his people. And what I want to do today is go to Psalm 1. And, uh, you know, it's interesting because he starts out in Psalm and really gives us a choice. He gives us a choice. It's one of two things that we can choose. It's only two things. And uh, we're going to read this scripture and we'll talk more about it. In Psalm 1, verse 1, it says, Blessed, I'm going to read all six verses. It's a shorter psalm. Blessed is the man who walks not in the counsel of the ungodly, nor stands in the path of sinners, nor sits in the seat of the scornful. But his delight is in the law of the Lord, and his law, he, and in his law he meditates day and night. He shall be like a tree planted by the rivers of water that brings forth its fruit in its season, whose leaf also shall not wither, and whatever he does shall prosper. The ungodly are not so but are like the chaff which the wind drives away. Therefore, the ungodly shall not stand in the judgment, nor sinners in the congregation of the righteousness. For the Lord knows the way of righteousness, but the way of the ungodly shall perish. Okay, I wanted to just read that whole scripture. And it revolves around these two ways of going. And one is the way of the ungodly, and one is the way of, of God of going to the word of God, obeying the law, the words that God has spoken, and going toward him. But I want to go back up to the first verse, and it says, blessed is the man. Blessed is the man. So this word right here is a share, if I'm saying it correctly. But it just means happiness. So, Whenever we read this, this first line of this psalm, it's, it's, he's basically telling us, happy is the man. So he's telling us how we can have joy, the joy of the Lord, how we can have contentment and, and, and to be in a place, in a, in a happy state, if you will. You know, we all want to be in a, in a happy place of our lives, you know, I think we've said this many times. I, my dad's actually used it too. Not as his own story, but shared this a lot too. But 
whenever our kids were younger, we used to ask them, do you have a happy heart? Do you have a happy heart? And now I'll give you the context. Whenever they were freaking out and screaming and losing their minds, you know, because their mind, their heart, everything was just like writhing and reeling and screaming and like, ah, you know, and they're like four years old, five years old. And we just presented this question to him. I'm not saying we did everything perfect. This worked pretty good, though. And we say, no, like, control yourself. Look at what you're doing. Control yourself. And do you have a happy heart? And they're like, you know, sometimes they continue screaming for a little bit. But, you know, many times you're like, they realize that whatever we are going to do, whether it's going to get food, or if they wanted to go to the store, or if they wanted to play, or do whatever, there was a choice that had to be made in order for that thing to happen. And the choice was for them to choose to control the emotions that were going on inside of them and to have a happy heart. Otherwise, we're not going anywhere. And we actually had one of these moments, uh, I think it was, was it Miles? When he was little, and we left the church, and we were going to lunch, two minutes down the road, I almost like had to get out of the car because it was so loud. Sorry, Miles, I'm using you because you're here. Tori, it, it's, it's just what it is. But anyway, It was like last year. He was just freaking out. It's like, no, he was probably like four or something. Two, oh, two. Okay, we started early. Two. It was just losing his mind. And I stopped on the side of the road. Like, I couldn't even go any further. There was no way I was going to continue driving. I stopped on the side of the road and turned around. And he's in his car, I mean, he can't get out of his car seat, but his arms and his legs were flailing, and his voice was like top level, screaming. And I so bad wanted to go to lunch, you know? Like, I'm hungry. I need to get food. And we just sat there. Do you have a happy heart? Do you have, like, listen, control yourself. Have self-control. Have self-control. It's another thing. I mean, we did lots of great things, I guess. I, that was amazing. We were good parents. That's amazing. Like, so we say, have self-control, you know, because, again, losing your mind. And we could use this as adults, okay? Seriously. Think about it next time. Just think about Josh, Pastor Josh and Tori are telling me to have self-control. And so what we do is we tell them to fold their hands like this and hold it there. You know how hard that is to do when you're like freaking out? You know, because your arms want to go this way and that way and your legs and you're screaming. And it's so weird, but you, whenever you do this, it's really hard to keep screaming. So we say, have self-control. And I'm not saying this was quick. 
But we sat there and sat there and sat there. But eventually there was self-control and he realized that, you know, he was a mess and changed his attitude. But I relate that to this, to this scripture and to what I'm talking about because so many times in our lives, you're like, oh yeah, kids, you know, we are exactly the same way and do exactly the same thing. It might look a little different. You not, well, not always. You're not like sitting in your car, arms flailing and screaming, but maybe sometimes. But it's the same thing. And right here in Psalms, he's writing and he's telling us, listen, there is a choice that we can make. The one that's blessed, the one that is happy and content and has joy. You know who they are? They're the one that doesn't walk in the way of the wicked. But I'm actually not going to get to that yet. I want to talk about this word blessed. Happy is the man or woman. What, is that? what does that mean? So we look, if we can just look even in just Psalms. And, and look at what, when that word is used in Psalm 32, verse 1 and 2. It says, blessed is he whose transgressions, transgression is forgiven, whose sin is covered. Blessed is the man to whom the Lord does not impute iniquity and in whose spirit there is no deceit. Happy is the man. Blessed. What, what is being blessed? Blessed is understanding and knowing that the iniquity that I have done, the things that I have done, is not imputed on me. That I could be happy to know and to understand and stand in the, on the foundation that my sins are forgiven, that your sins are forgiven. This is what it says, the one who's blessed, the one who's happy, is the one whose sins are forgiven, whose transgressions are forgiven. In Psalm 34, verse 7, the angel of the Lord encamps all around those who fear him and delivers them. Oh, taste and see that the Lord is good. Blessed is the man who trusts in him. Now look, blessed Happy is the one who trusts God. But what else is this saying? The one who, is, um, who has refuge and safety. Because the angel of the Lord is encamped around you. Blessed is the one who has safety and refuge in God. In Psalm 65, verse 4, it says, Blessed is the man that you choose, that God chooses, and cause to approach you, that he may dwell in your courts. We shall be satisfied with the goodness of your house, of your holy temple. So blessed is the man, happy, full of joy, is the man that's able to dwell in the house of the Lord, the one that is able to come into the inner courts, to God's presence 
and is satisfied. Blessed is the one. Like, how, how can I get blessed? How can I have this? This contentment. And feel blessed by God. Well, it tells me that the one who is satisfied with God. Are we satisfied? What is that? Satisfied means I'm all filled up and don't need anything else. I don't need anything else. When I'm, sat, when I'm eating, let's just take it real carnal here for a second. For a second. I've already talked about food. I'm probably going to continue to talk about food until I get to lunch. But anyway, whenever you're hungry, you eat so that you will be satisfied to where you don't feel that hunger anymore. And it's the same concept when we come to God. Am I coming to Him and being satisfied with who He is and only who He is, or am I trying to add something else to Him? I'm not satisfied. I need some dessert. I need a little extra something that's not God. I need to throw some other things in there because God isn't satisfied. I mean, you say, oh, man, well, we all can tend to do that. But being satisfied and dwelling in the courts of his house. In Psalm 89, 15, it says, Blessed are the people who know the joyful sound. They walk, O Lord, in the light of your countenance. So blessed is the one who can walk in the light of his countenance, to, to be standing in his presence. And like, what is that? The light of your countenance. Like, if I want to stand, again, make it super simple, I turn on a lamp in my house. If I want to stand in the light, I got to be close and put myself under the light that is shining. But blessed is the one who stands in the light of his countenance, that comes before him, that comes to him, that his light, not that it can't get to us somewhere else, but we are turning away from the darkness and turning toward the light of his face. Saying, I don't want your light to shine on my back. I want your light, the light of your face, to shine on my face. I'm turning towards you so my eyes can see you, so my ears can hear. Do you, you understand? Everything is on the front of our face, front of our head. That's where our face is. Our ears are turned this way. Our eyes are this way. Our mouth is this way. If I've got my back turned to him, nothing that takes in any kind of information is turned toward him. So saying, blesses the one that turns toward him so that the light of his countenance is shining on you. And everything in you is being lit up by him. So being blessed is a place of being happy, content, 
not getting sucked in to sin, but having your transgressions forgiven and having refuge in him, dwelling in his courts and being satisfied and seeing the light. I mean, there's more scriptures, but these are the ones that I, that I picked out. That's what being blessed is. But in Psalm 1, it, it, it presents us, like I said, with this choice. So as blessed is the man who does what? Who doesn't, they start out with not doing some things. It says, who walks not in the counsel of the ungodly, nor stands in the path of sinners, nor sits in the seat of the scornful. It's interesting because when you just sit down and and, and, like contemplate this and study this, you're like, oh, that's, wow, the, uh, the wicked sinners, the scornful. But it's, if you will, it's, it's like this path that you go on. Like I said, you're either walking toward him in that direction, that choice, or you're walking away from him. And whenever it says this, it says, walks not in the counsel of the wicked. But if you are going to walk in the counsel of the wicked, that's your first step. You start taking counsel now, it's, it's not that you can't have advice and, and you know, somebody that you talk to um, that is not a believer, but when it comes to things of God, when it comes to morality, when it comes to how we live, when it comes to how we act, and when it comes to even how we do business, some of those things that somebody may tell you that doesn't know God probably isn't the right way to do it. So the first thing it says is, don't take the counsel of those that are ungodly. But what if you do? You start taking counsel of those that are ungodly, and then on that progression, then you start to stand in the way of sinners. If I'm taking counsel from somebody that doesn't know God, I'm going to start acting like and standing like and being in the same places as that person that doesn't know God because I've started taking the counsel of that person. So now I'm standing and doing and being like that person that I take counsel from And then it says, and sit not, and then don't sit, nor sits in the seat of scoffers. So if we start taking advice from somebody that's not good, that's ungodly, then starting acting like them and standing and being like them, and then it says, because then you're going to start boasting about it. What is scoffing? Ha! Look at you. Look at what you're doing. Look at what I'm doing. I'm amazing, and I did it without God. Who do you think you are? I'm a, you know, whatever. But it's this progression of taking 
advice, if we take that, <clears throat> make that choice of taking advice from those that are ungodly in ways that we should be living. Again, like I said, not, not like you can't take advice on different things, but how we should live, morality, all these things. It's going to change who we are. All of a sudden, I'm going to start acting like them, doing things that they do. And then I'm going to sit there, sit back, probably knowing me, I'll lean back on the back two legs of the chair. I'm real comfortable. You know, that's how I, <laughs> right? You know, so comfortable that I'm just like, you know, laying back, sitting in that chair. doing the same things. And then not only that, it progresses to this place of scoffing, of prideful ridicule against those that are doing the things of God. That's not a good choice. Anybody? Like, so in Psalm 1, Verse 1, blessed is the man who walks not in the counsel of the ungodly, nor stands in the path of sinners, nor sits in the seat of the scornful, but his delight is in the law of the Lord. And his law, and in his law, he meditates day and night. But our delight, so choosing to delight in the word of God, in the law of the Lord, not choosing that other way, but choosing to be delighted, to be happy to be content with the word of God and what he has spoken over us. And not only that, to meditate on it. Listen, no, don't just meditate on it a little bit, you know? It's like in the world that we live in today, we want to take in information so fast and so much that it's just like, I want to read through this and, and just kind of trying to get a little bit of it and, and then just get to something else. But what this is talking about is saying like, no, no, don't just read that scripture or that verse and just fly by it. No, take like a, like a cow. Chew and cud. You're like, what? You know, it's really disgusting, but it's a really good analogy. Because they'll chew and chew and chew on that grain or the grass or whatever. Chew on it and chew on it. You, see, you ever seen cows? Those videos of cows in their mouth. I don't even know how it does it. It's, you know, it's like, you know, the bottom jaw is just, and it's just grinding away at that grass. It's just grinding away. And, and you know what they do? They swallow it. And then a little while later, somehow it comes back up. They got like multiple stomachs, I think. I'm, I don't know. I'm not a farmer, Tammy, you know. And multiple stomachs. And it goes, you know, it's, it's in the first stomach. Then it comes back up. I'm going to chew on it some more. I'm going to get it. I'm going to chew on this some more. I let it sit there for a little bit. Then let's bring it back up and, and meditate on it a little bit more. 
And they go in a second, second stomach. You know, let, okay, yeah, let's just let's sit there for a little bit. Oh, that's so good. No, let's bring it back up. And then I'm going to start chewing on it again. I'm going to start reading it over and over and over again and trying to learn what the words are and, and let those things sink down deep inside of me. I want to meditate on it day and night. Isn't that gross? But it's so good. See, we want to just swallow. Is Lila in here? Okay. I don't know. She might be. But uh, the girl doesn't chew her food. She is going to kill me. But literally, she will put food in her mouth one, two, maybe three times. I don't even know how food is, is even chewed up at all. Swallows it. Like doesn't even chew her food. And that's what we want to do all the time is not chew our food. You know what happens whenever you chew on your food? It breaks it down. It helps your body to get the nutrients out of the food that your body needs to get because the food is broken down so that your body could digest it better. Whenever it's saying meditate day and night, it's saying chew on it, break it down, tear it apart. If you don't meditate on it, you're not going to get what you need to get out of it. Like, I don't, I don't feel, I feel like I'm not getting the stuff that I need. Are you, are you actually chewing it up? Are you meditating? Or is like, I got my five minutes, you know, I'm not calling anybody out or anything, but like, even if it's like an hour, we're going to rush through like four different books of the Bible in an hour, you know? Like, oh, look how much I got done. I, yeah, but I don't remember any of it. I, I, I can't hardly even remember what it said because I rushed through so fast. How about spending an hour on one verse? Who said that you had to read the whole Bible in that hour? How about we actually try to let it sink in and get what we need from it? So what is this verse saying? It's saying, be the tree, not the shaft, right? Those that sit and be scoffers, those that take the advice from the wicked, it says that they're like chaff. He, verse 3, the one that delights in the word of God shall be like a tree planted by the rivers of living water that brings forth its fruit in its season, whose leaf also shall not wither, and whatever he does shall prosper. The one that delights in the word of God, the one that is allowing and it to sink in and, and, and it is meditating day and night, that one is like a tree planted, by rivers of living water. I mean, really just the fact, and the way that it describes this as being a tree is, is enough. Trees are strong and stable most of the time. They should be. Strong, stable, big, powerful, bring protection and safety. Like all these, I could say so many things about trees. 
brings forth fruit in season. And it's leaves, that one whose delight is in the word of God. It's leaves shall not wither. Because see, right, what, what happens or how does a tree's leaves wither and fade away and a tree die? It's because it's not getting the nutrients, what it needs out of the soil that it's planted in. This is the soil that we should be planted in. And when we are getting the nutrients that we need, it's like being planted by rivers of living water. And we will constantly bear fruit. Leaves won't wither. But it says the ungodly aren't like that. It says in verse 4, the ungodly are not so, but they're like chaff which the wind drives away. It's like you got a tree, a big old huge tree, and the chaff. It's not even like a plant or a twig or a whatever. It's chaff. You know what chaff is? It's like when they beat the wheat to get the good stuff out, and then the dead, dry shell that's around the good stuff gets beaten off, and they throw it up in the air, and the good stuff, right, falls right back down because it's got weight to it. It's got substance to it, so it falls down. But when they throw it up in the air, the shaft is just this lightweight, airy, dead, dry nothingness. And they throw it up in the air and just the slightest wind just carries it off. Just blows it right away. It says the ungodly are like that, just wherever the wind blows. See, that tree planted by rivers of living water, the roots, a tree's got roots. It's stable. It's not going anywhere. A storm may come. Different things may happen, but that tree is staying there because it's planted and rooted, and it's still going to have leaves. It's still going to have fruit. It's still going to grow. But that shaft just flies away. Is our delight in the Word of God? Are we meditating on it day and night? Let me see. I think I got two messages here. <laughs> so let's take and go. Matthew 5, 6, it says, Blessed are those who hunger and thirst for righteousness, for they shall be filled. For they shall be filled. Remember we talked about being satisfied. And again, we have here, and Jesus is, is now speaking and, and talking about those that are blessed. And blessed, right, 
happy, satisfied, content. My sins are forgiven. I can dwell in the house of God. Those are the ones that hunger and thirst for righteousness. Do we have the hunger that we should for the word of God, for the righteousness of God, for what he or who he is and what he wants out of us? I want to have a ravenous hunger for what God wants. Right? It's like, I want to have this hunger, and he can satisfy it. But whenever I'm satisfied in him, I want to hunger for even more. More of who he is, more of what he wants for us. And I think that's what God is, is wanting from each and every one of us. Is like, will you hunger for me, for what I have for you, for what I want for you to do? For who I am to be satisfied in me and not anything else. To not have to add anything to. To not hold on to any of these other things. Will you hunger and thirst for who I am? You can see the bread of this world doesn't satisfy. You can take that for natural, you know, just literal bread. It only lasts a little while, right? But then what the world can give us is the same way. It might feel good for a few minutes. It might feel like I'm content for a, maybe an hour, but then after that, all of a sudden, there's this discontentment that comes back and you're like, wait a second, I thought, thought this was going to make me feel good and satisfied, but it doesn't. In Matthew 4, 4, Jesus, he's being tempted, right, by the devil. He's like, here's the bread, eat. Turn this, turn this stone into, into bread, just, just do it. You can do it. Come on, I know you can. And Jesus says, it's written, man shall not live by bread alone, but by every word that proceeds from the mouth of God. Man shall not live by bread alone. We don't live by just eating. We can't be sustained, really, right? Because we have this physical body, but we were created with a spirit, a soul that needs to be satisfied and nothing else but God and his word will satisfy our spirit. You can search for it in anything, in money, in whatever, any kind of thing that you could, you could think of that people have searched for satisfaction in. But it will not satisfy. The only thing that does that is the Word of God. What proceeds out of His mouth? Will you stand with me?
Thanks for listening today. We pray this message encourages you. If you have any questions or you'd like to learn more about us as a church, you can always visit us online by going to lifechurchstl.com.